For some of you, it's your first time. For others, it is not. But for today, I would like to welcome you all to Epic Realms. Friends and enemies, heroes and villains, welcome to Epic Realms. Today's guest is a beloved urban fantasy author. She has many series, including the Other Realm series. Her new book, The Vampire and the Case of the Dastardly Death, just released on October 13th. Please welcome the one and only Heather Harris. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I, I'm, so I don't know if you knew this. About a year, not even a year ago, last January, and like I'm backlogged. We, you and I talked about this, how, you know, ahead I try and get on my schedule. It was January of last year. I went back and looked that I asked on Facebook, the fans of Urban Fantasy Group, which is a really large group, a lot of people. And I was like, who would yeah. you guys like to have on? Because I can't keep track of every author that exists in the world. And you were one of the most overwhelmingly popular names that came up and was voted and checkmarked. And then I saw you popped in there and people were responding to you. And I was like, I got to have this person on. Um, and so you ended up on my like direct list. You and there's like one or two others, but you were like number one on my list. It's like, I got to get this person on. So that's, wow. that's how that's that group brought you to my attention. I was like, this is great. And I was looking at your stuff. I'm like, wow, this is some really cool concepts. The books are really awesome and stuff. So, um, so yeah, I, I had to have you on and here we are. Thank you so much. Fans of Fancy is such a great group. Like, I just love hanging out there. It's got, it's got such a good vibe to it. You yeah. Know? It's a really positive place. It's not somewhere people are tearing down authors and being really negative. It's always like, I love this person. I recommend this book. And it's just such a lovely um, group. And the admins do such a great job running it. Like, I'm there quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It's such a good vibe. And you feel feel comfortable doing stuff in there, saying stuff. There's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of trolls. So hopefully that stays Absolutely. that way. Do you prefer the G having, because I see like a lot of places, it's Heather G. Harris. And I'm like, did I put the G in everything or is, is, am I, am I, am I good? Um, the, G, the G is there because when I was starting out, there was another Heather Harris, but she'd written about two books 20 years ago. So I was kind of like, I don't think there's much going to be much confusion. And she wasn't, she, I think she was writing romance or something. I think like she's only done two books, but. Mm, so I stuck the G in there just to distinguish between this other person, but I don't think that the other Heather is active um, very much anymore. So I, I, you can probably call me Heather Harris; it's fine. Everyone would know who you mean. Okay, it's um, just like am I bad? Like, is, am I going to be frowned upon because I didn't put the G in some of the stuff? Didn't drop my G. My <laughs> friends joke that the G is for great. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, but actually, it stands for my real surname, my okay. real because Harris is. Um, is my pen name and Harris is actually my mom's maiden name. Oh, that's great. I love that. I love that. Uh, <laughs> so, and I also want to say thank you. I know it's late. You're in the UK. So I, I appreciate you joining us because for you, it's like midnight or something. So it I just is, want to tell I, the audience I, how awesome uh, she was to come on and be like, okay, yeah, this is midnight for me, but I'm, I'm in. Let's, let's do this. So 
Yeah, I've had caffeine, so if I'm jittery, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. We'll love it. We'll get we'll we'll we'll, we'll get with it. Um, Power through. Let's hit the way back machine. Let's go back in time here. Back to you when you were a kid. Did you always enjoy books and writing and you know fantasy stuff like that? Always, always. Um, so my mom, who I mentioned before, she has always been an author herself. She always wrote books. So I always grew up thinking that it was normal to write your own books. You know, okay. my mom always had this amazing imagination. And like one of my earliest memories was like sitting on her lap when we were in front of like this really like, you know, proper old style computer. And we were typing out a story together and I was kind of dictating what the story was. And mom was typing it away. And it was like my first story about a trip to the zoo, which probably wasn't very imaginative at all. Um, but I, it's one of my kind of formative memories that I was writing stories with my mum. And then through a lot of my life, my young life, I would scribble stories. Um, and in the early days, I did have a computer and I saved them on floppy disks. So that okay. shows how long ago it was. <laughs> Aging myself there. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and, and we were a big, uh, reading household. Um, and my mom always read fantasy. So the kind of my earliest book that I remember reading by myself, I think I was about 10 after Tolkien and the kind of classics. The next one I remember is reading, um, Anne McCaffrey's, uh, The Rowan, The Tower on the Hive series. And, um, yeah, I think from there, that was just me set on all things fantasy. That's awesome. How was it for you when you found out that not everybody is just everybody doesn't just write when you realize that that wasn't the norm for everyone. Yeah. Well, it's quite funny because this kind of came up in conversation with my friends recently. Okay. Um, and I was saying to them, like, you know, when you're walking home alone in the dark and you're worried about someone coming up behind you and attacking you and you're thinking about how you're going to have the keys in your fingers and you're going to fight them off and then you're going to throw a punch, you're going to shout fire because that gets more of a reaction. And then I was, went through this whole thing and then I was like, and by the time you've got home, you're really exhausted because you've fought off like 15 mental assailants. And they're like, dude, that that's not normal. People don't think like that. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> and I went to a conference with them, a bunch of authors, and I was telling them all this story. And then about Chase was like, yeah, and then you're ready to be like, would you shut up? <laughs> right. Like all my author friends were like, yes, we all envisage exactly this. You know, we'll come up with these crazy scenarios where we're just walking by ourselves. And all my non-author friends were like, no. <laughs> That's not normal. <laughs> it's not normal to think like that, Heather. Like, are you sure? Uh, did you, did you go on to college for writing? No. So, um, wrote, I guess, until I was about 18. And then I went to university and focused more on studies and I was doing philosophy. Okay. Um, so that was more my, my dad's side so my mum's the writer and my dad was a philosopher so I think I was taking turns pleasing each parent and um I did a philosophy degree at Liverpool University then after that I did the um sensible career choice of then doing a law degree and then becoming a lawyer so um for quite a few years then that was that was kind of my path and I was forging a career and I was just one step away from being a partner in a law firm and um I was having kids, as you do, uh, or I do anyway. <laughs> and um this is where it gets sad. My mum died, mm. the um one who obviously wrote all the stories. 
And as part of kind of the grieving process, I was going back through her old stories that I found um, and that hadn't been published. And I was like, I really want to publish these stories for her. So I started digging into self-publishing and how you could do it and um, learning the ropes. And I found this um, really great group on Facebook called 20 Books to 50K. And it's like this free group and they share so much information about kind of marketing and advertising and cover designing and, you know, all the kind of itty bits that yeah. are really difficult to wrap your head around. And um, I started learning all this with a view to publishing my mum's stuff. And then it also kind of got me into the thought process of writing again myself. So um, whilst I was kind of learning all this stuff for my mom, I was writing away my own stuff. And one day I said to my husband, like, you can read it. Because for ages, I've been really cagey about my writing because yeah. I found it it's quite personal, like your book, baby. And I, I wasn't ready to kind of right. set them out into the world and face the critique too, because that's that's something you have to really um, grow a, a thick skin over. So when I was starting out, didn't let anyone read anything. Um, and I finally broke to my husband's pleading and I let him read it. And he said to me, quote, Heather, this is actually really good. And I was like, oh, sound more surprised, please. <laughs> um, but that was, that was him reading the first draft of Glimmer of the Other. And so it was kind of his surprise because he's a big fantasy reader. He reads all the kind of epic fantasy. Urban fancy isn't really his bag, but he could still enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and so once he kind of persuaded me to to give it a go, I kind of set about writing the next couple of books. And then eventually I um hit publish. And the rest, as they say, is history. Did your was your first book one that you did yourself, or did you like, you know, shop it out there and have try and get somebody to publish it for you? How is that process oh. for you? Because everybody's a little bit different. Yeah. I think because it's quite difficult in the UK to become a lawyer. So as part of that, you have to apply to something to uh, called a training contract and you have to apply to a firm and you have to have two years of um, on-the-job training before you can then be a qualified solicitor on top of obviously the law degree and the practicing course and all this stuff. So it's quite, um, it's quite competitive. And it had taken me about two or three years of applying and getting hundreds of uh, rejections a year to uh, finally get my training contract at, at the firm that I did. So against that backdrop, um, when yeah. it finally got to giving manuscripts out to agents and stuff, I contacted five people and the first one of the first ones came back and she was like, you've really got something here. This is fantastic. I love all the themes you've got in the, the book. Um, unsurprisingly, one of the themes of my books are, are grief. And, um, and she was like, you know, this is, this is brilliant, but I don't have a place for it at the moment. But that kind of positive feedback early just made me feel like, okay, this is definitely something. Mm -hmm. And I'm not up for facing 300 rejection lessons. Right. You already year. did that. Yeah. You already did that. I've already done that and I know it's not nice. And I just thought, you know what? I just, I just can't be dealing with this. And plus it's kind of a numbers game. Um, you know, indie authors keep 70% of their royalties from Amazon. And, you know, when you go trad pub, you keep like 10 to 15%. Yeah. And, um, 
you know, if if the publishing house puts everything behind you, then that's obviously going to be a huge amount of money. But for everyone that gets shot to stardom, your Sarah Day Masses, there are so many other people that just don't get anywhere. Um, and I'm a control freak. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the law thing. Um, so I was like, I don't want to be, I don't want my fate to be um, at the whims of someone else or whether or not they decide that I'm special. So, um, yeah, I shopped around. I did a couple of, literally a couple of requests, got that one rejection and just thought, no, I'm not doing more rejection. I'm just going to, I'm going to self-publish, but I'm going to do it right. You know, so I was in this group, 20 books, and I was learning about rapid release models, um, making sure your your covers are um, showing your genre expectations doing it right, obviously getting an editor, a proofreader, getting an advanced reader team to get those early reviews, yeah. all that, that sort of secret source stuff. Um, and I, and I did it all. Like I didn't cut any corners with anything. I did everything that that kind of group said you needed to do to hit success. And then, you know, I know everyone else, everyone can take all of those steps and doesn't guarantee success. Right. Right. Um, you still have but to have good just, good work and, you know, right place, right time and all of that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Too. And I think as well, having a dog on the cover, that was one of the secret sources that I didn't know at the time. But people love dogs and that was just a pure accident on my part. Yeah. So my question for you is, you mentioned you're kind of a control freak. How is the editing process for you when you have somebody that's an editor, you have feedback and like people are saying, you need to change this, you need to change that, you need to fix this this backdrop doesn't make sense or you have to rewrite this and you go and like, yeah. I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much exactly like that. Um, it's really been a growth curve for me because it is hard, especially in those early days when the books are so precious to you and you've spent so long working on them. You think they're already pretty perfect because to you, they are, that's why you've written them that way. So if someone says, Mm, I don't like this scene or I think that this needs something else. You're like, well, I, I think I'd done everything pretty right there, actually. Um, so the first few times my husband was my alpha reader and he'd give me feedback and I'd be pissed off with him for a solid week, you know, like mm -hmm. really struggle with it. These days I'm much better and it's only two years, but it's been a big learning curve. Like I've got 18 books out now that obviously my husband has kind of read and given me initial feedback and I've got a whole beta team and then I've got the um, editor and then I've got the advanced reader team who check all the typos and then I've got my proofreader. So there's, there's a bunch of people now involved in my process. So I've, I've grown a thicker skin and I'm calmer about it all because at the end of the day, they all give me feedback from a place of love. Like they want this book to be the best book right. that it can be. And I do too. So sometimes that does mean listening to critique. So I've got better about it, but yeah. it was still, at the beginning, it was tough. Do you find it's um, one of those things where you've changed from the beginning? Have, do you notice, can you look back on yourself and your previous writings and go, man, I do this completely different, or I see this from a completely different perspective than I did on my first or second book? Yeah, I think um, with the first set of books, I was really concerned with what the norm was so small things like chapter length you know I was told that a, a chapter should be kind of 2,000 words to 3,500 kind of max really um the UF 2,000 2,500 is what it should be um 
and Air over quotes. time yeah over time i've i've really changed that um and now i i write the chapters to the scene length you know i write when it comes to a natural end that's hooky and interesting then that's where it it stops um and i'm getting so many comments now that i'm creating these kind of page turning can't put them down books and i think part of that is the shorter chapters because i think when you give someone an opportunity to pause in your book they'll be like oh just one more chapter because they're only little and then that's part of my trick no no it's just one more chapter we'll get you to the end of the book and it's 3 a.m yeah (laughs) (laughs) so that's changed quite a lot from my beginning books to the the latest ones i think that's quite a big shift in in a few things what about the process when you're sitting down, you come up with an idea for a book or a series and you do, do you sit down and go like, okay, this is point A, point B, point C, D, all the way to the end of the book. Or are you just like, I kind of have a general thought in my head and I just sit down and go. Yeah, I'm the second one. Um, I, I have a vague idea of kind of an overarching storyline. Um, so for example, my first series, it's a, uh, a, PI who can tell when you're lying. So she thinks she's just a normal human with with this kind of bit of a weird thing going on that she can always tell when someone lies. And then book one, she discovers that magic is real and she's actually a truth seeker. Um, And then what she's trying to uncover through the series is who killed her parents. So each book, there's kind of a a clue or a nugget to kind of bring you closer to the the end result. But when I started... um, that whole thing I just knew the end result like I just knew what had happened to the parents and that was really all I had so then I wrote kind of four books based off the very thinnest of of outlines and that's really still how I write I just have a vague idea um and then I uncover it as I go as as the books develop so at the moment I'm writing book four of my um, witch series I've started that one with like six or seven bullet points of things that I know need to happen based off what's happened previously in the other books. But, you know, my, my process really is just sitting down and typing away and seeing what, what falls out of my head. Yeah. Do you, um, do you find an issue with some, cause you're in, you're in pretty good contact with a lot of your readers and a lot of your audience, you kind of listen to them and what they have to say. Do you see a big difference in how American readers or, and UK readers kind of look at things a little bit differently. Cause I know from my perspective and other people I've talked to, there's obviously like some language differences, like whether, whether we want a biscuit or a cracker or a cookie, yeah. or a, you know, or somebody lives in an apartment or a flat or a garbage bin or a rubbish yeah. bin, that sort of situation. Do you see that reflected or do you think American readers versus UK readers? They just, they just know. They're just like, this is just how it is. Every book of mine at the bottom of the blurb says in italics, written in British English. Um, and, you know, sometimes I have, uh, at my, the beginning of books, like there will be, um, extra U's and S's, you know, brace yourselves, guys. Um, but I'm British and the books are set in the UK and it just didn't make sense to write it in, in American English, despite the fact that the majority of my audience are American. Um, but I find that's actually one of the things that my um, American fans love. Like they love discovering like the differences of like, you know, biscuits and cookies and chips and, you know, all these sorts of stuff that we have that's kind of the same, but a little bit different. Right. Um, like when I'm, I went to um, America just September gone and I met up with some of my fans 
and they were saying like, you know, your character eats bacon all the time. And I was like, yeah, but my bacon is different to your bacon. And they were like, what do you mean you have different bacon? I was like, we have different bacon, guys. You have like the streaky bacon that's really, really crispy. And we have like fat bacon that's really like thick. And they were like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's just so funny, like the, the really small differences. And when I came to America, I kind of thought because I've been exposed to so much American TV and movies and like we speak the same language. I, well, I did, I didn't expect much of a culture shock, particularly. Um, and then I arrived and I was like, wow, things are really different. <laughs> and I wasn't prepared for how different it was because it's kind of like we speak the same language and, you know, both modern countries, like you wouldn't think there'd be that much difference, but it was just like really silly little things. Um, like when I was at a restaurant, the waitress came over and she said to my friend, um, can I warm that coffee for you? And I was like, she going to take the cup away and put it in the microwave? Like, why would she? <laughs> and it just meant like, give you more yeah, coffee. Yeah, top it off. I just, yeah, I just didn't know what that meant. I was like, she's going to take her drink away and warm it up in the microwave and then bring it back? Like, what is this? Um, so there's all sorts of like weird little things that obviously just haven't made their way into media that like when you're there, you're like, ah. Oh. Yeah, it's just really the different. little things, the little, and it also, yeah. it also depends on where you are, much like, much like in the UK, different yes. regions talk a little bit different or have different lingo or little phrases or even the accent shifts. So yeah, you never, definitely. never know. Like I arrived and I was like, why don't your cars have like rear license plates? Like your cars just look naked. Like, or is it the front? No, they don't have it from the front. And I was like, they just look naked. Like, what are you doing with your cars? Why don't they have the license plates? And they're like, oh, this is just Florida. Like some states do and some states yep. don't. And I was like, oh, that's so confusing. It guys. is. It is very confusing. It is for sure confusing. <laughs> but I love to come to the US. But I think um, that that's one of the things that my fans love is like, especially when I have like British phrases and they'll be like, I had to Google that. I didn't yeah. know what that meant. And afterwards, they're like, I'm totally putting that in my vernacular because it was so much fun. I, I love it. I love it. I, I have a few friends that I talk to regularly who are from the UK and yeah. their language changes to match some of our language because yes. they're, then they're like, yeah, I was talking to my mom the other day and I told him I had to go to a gas station and my mom didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yeah it really happens and i'm the same like when i'm talking to people for a long long time like if i went to like canada or something i start to pick up a bit of a like a fake canadian accent and then i feel vaguely apologetic like i'm not taking the piss i just do this thing where i start to appropriate whatever language is around me yeah. i do that for accents very often sometimes yeah. i i have a very difficult time not adopting and like shifting the way i say things so I have to focus, like right now I have to super focus because you, you've got such a great accent that I'm like, all right, don't adopt the things. Just stay, just talk. Just, <laughs> you're good. You're good. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's talk about some of your books and your book series, right? So the other realm is seven books, correct? Yes. Now, would you say this is kind of like your, this is like your first and like one of your most popular series? Yeah, so what happened was I wrote the first um, four books um, in that series, which are all called Glimmer Something. And um, it, it, it finished, you know, at the end of book four, we knew who had killed the parents, the mystery was solved. And I was like, right, job done, guys. And I wrote my next series, which was um, about Lucy, which was Jinx, the other main character's best friend. And it was all about her um, managing a werewolf pack 
and um, she was a female alpha. She wasn't popular. She just obviously killed the last alpha, and now she has to take over the pack, and they all hate her, blah, blah, blah. And I wrote this series, and it went really well, but not as well as um, Jinx's series. And people kept saying to me, like, yeah, but we just, we want more Jinx as well. Can you go back and write more Jinx? And I was like, well, okay, I guess I can do that. So I wrote three more um, in that series, um, which, again, went down an absolute storm. But now these guys are fickle, so now they're begging me for more Lucy, which is the <laughs> one. I'm like, guys, I'm I'm writing the witch one now. Like, let me finish writing the witch one, and then I'll write more Lucy. And then I'm getting emails being like, when are we having more Jinx? And I'm like, oh, are you still not happy? Because I wrote the extra three books. And they're like, no, we want more books. So, right. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. There might be more Jinx as well to come. Um, but at the moment, I'm writing... As you mentioned, I've just launched um, uh, Vampire and the Case of Her Dastardly Death. And that is with uh, my friend Jillian Dolbeer. And um, she's an American. So it's fun because we used to kind of write and talk at funny times in the night. And we are always talking about the differences between uh, Americans and Brits. And our, our main character there is a Brit. Um, but then she goes to Alaska. So it's kind of like we're using both of our knowledge bases. You know, okay. I'm doing the, the Britishisms and it's going to be written Brit English, same as everything I've already done. But it's going to be set in Alaska, which is Jill's powerhouse because she knows everything about Alaska. She's lived there her whole life. Um, and she's got a great set of books, um, set there and all about the local law and everything, which is really cool. Um, so it's kind of playing to both of our strengths. And th- this series for both of us was just a bit of, um, a bit of fun between our other series that we're, we're doing. Um, but we've already planned out, um, at least another three books in that series. Okay. Um, and we've written out the first book nearly and then got started on the second book. So, um, that's really fun. And it was fun for me because all of my books that I write solo at the moment, they're all set in one universe called the other realm. So all of the books kind of intersect. There's um, characters that cross over between all of the series and kind of the the books all kind of follow on from each other chronologically, um, which is lovely. And I love writing in it. But once you've kind of done that world building, your hands are tied in a way. Yeah. So it was nice to write with Jill where we can just be like, hey, and let's make these werewolves be able to do this and these vampires have to do this. Whereas, you know, in my other world, it's already set out what, what happens and what does. So it's nice yeah. to kind of have a new thing to play with. How did you two meet? How did you guys meet up? Well, we, um, we launched a book at the exact same time and we were both hanging out in fans of urban fantasy and um, I PM Jill and I said, would you like to do a newsletter swap? And she was like, oh, what's one of those? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going to teach you how we do things. <laughs> so um, I kind of took Jill under my wing and I taught her about um, Book Funnel, which is a way that we deliver books. Um, and I talked about newsletter swaps as a way that we kind of build up our audience by kind of sharing our audience. Um, and I just kind of taught her kind of the, the basics of marketing. But part of the deal between me and her is that I take the lion's share of the marketing still with um, the Portlock series because she still doesn't like the marketing side. So yeah. I, I enjoy the marketing stuff. So I was like, I will gladly um, shoulder that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's quite funny. And that's how we kind of start out. And we started chatting and now we're part of um, 
kind of a little community, say about 30 um, urban fantasy authors that all talk on, on Discord. And um, we, we had a little group and it was called Fantasy Authors Kicking Ass. And nice. it's kind of been shortened to um, the Fackers. <laughs> so <laughs> every now and again, I'd be like, hey, Fackers, I'm doing this great. But um, that's a lovely, it, it's just been such a community and, you know, we're all great friends and we all talk about our lives and our kids and our dogs and we all share um, more than just our writing now. It's a really lovely um, supportive community. I think that's important for authors because it can be quite a solitary career if you let it be. Yeah. You know, you could just be typing away in your shed in your garden by yourself. Um, and, you know, that would be, I think, quite lonely. Um, but with all the authors that I've met, the author community is is so beautiful and so inclusive. And, you know, there's never been an iota of like um like competition or jealousy. You know, people share, you know, when they've made a bestseller and everyone cheers, like we've got this channel on Discord, it's just called Celebrations. Yeah. And it it pretty much doesn't matter what you put in there you'll get like 20 people being like, yeah. even if it's like, I got out of bed today and brushed my hair. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I really think like the author community is just such a beautiful thing. And it's really second only to my fans who are such amazing people. And um, so many of them have become friends, you know, just because they reach out and they email me or they PM me and we get chatting. Um, and yeah, they're just such lovely people. I'm, I'm really blessed with the fans that I've got. And I think that's an urban fantasy fan thing too. I like so. I just think they're lovely people. Yeah. Always supportive. Going back to the, the, the co-writing book that you guys did. Yeah. How did you guys work? Cause I, I asked this to everybody who does a lot of like co-writing with other authors and everybody's, there's there's not a standard way of co-writing, right? No. So some people, such as Kevin Hearn, Delilah Dawson, one does a chapter, sends the chapter to the other one, they do the second yeah. chapter, they don't know what the other one's going to write, they go back and forth until they have this funny, hilarious book. Um, some some authors, you know, they, they take only certain characters, like they write the chapters that involve their character or whatever their point of view is. Uh, but you guys seem to have a little different thing where you said, you were writing from this perspective and they were writing from the location perspective. But how did the actual, like putting the words on paper, how did that go back and forth between the two of you? So we started out just like chatting and we had like a Google doc. Where we'd put a bunch of ideas and just if like funny bits that came up in conversation that we wanted to include or just areas that we wanted to do. So like, um, the place where it's set, um, Port Lock, is a real town in Alaska that got abandoned due to reportedly like Bigfoot and deaths and stuff like that. So it's like a, a real town that's like steeped in history. And um, Jill kind of found out about it, obviously being Alaskan, and she was giving me all this information. That's such a good place. I was like, we've got it right here. Um, so it started in a kind of information sharing and jotting down what we wanted and a bit of world building discussions. Um, and then Jill wrote the first draft completely just with messages to me as and when, you know, I'm stuck at this bit or what would you think we should do in this bit and where should we go from here? Because we're both pantsers. So neither one of us, we can't 
sit down and plot completely because that's right. just not the way either one of us write. So um, then she handed me the complete first draft and say it was about 50K. And then I gave it a once over, like kind of an edit, but deeper because I was adding in like you know, the Britishisms and um, the first one is set in the UK. So it was yeah more heavy yeah um and then i pass it back to her and then say at that point it would be 65k and she'd do another sweep and then it passed back to me and, it, and i do another sweep and then it gets up to say 75k or something okay then it goes to our editor who then cuts it right back down <laughs> <laughs> um cuts out all my waffle um i'm a devil for um nodding and shrugging and quirking eyebrows so she she removes all those bits for me um but yeah so it's it it is a jill's strength is really sharp plotting and really brilliant action scenes and action scenes are my achilles heel like i i hate writing action scenes like i'll write an action scene and then my husband will pass it back and be like everything happened in one page no <laughs> go away and write more and I'm like oh do I have to like right. I just I really struggle with action beats whereas Jill is so good at that whereas my strength is more um the humor and the emotional side of things so it's quite easy for me to kind of tweak and edit and add in that humor and emotion overlaid across the really good action that she's already put in so the end result I think is I saw I'm really proud of. Like I think we've done um we've done really well. Like our styles have mashed really nicely. Where do you think I you get your where do you think you get your humor tones from? Because that's one thing across the board you see in reviews and on, you know, social media is that they love it because it's 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 not overdone humor, but the humor is really good and really witty. And I see that all over the place in reviews and, you know, like I said, the Facebook groups and, and, and whatnot. No. Do you think you, do you know kind of where you get that from? Not really. It's really funny because my husband will say to anyone, Heather is not funny. Her books are funny, but she is not funny. And I'm like, it's one and the same. Like, really, <laughs> I am hilarious. Um, but I don't know. I think part of it is, um, I'm I'm always really into stand up. Like I've I've watched a lot of stand up and humor has always been a really big part of of my life. Like I love like action comedies and I love stand up. And just, you know, I think there's something special about comedy. I love it. And if I'm in a really bad mood, I'll throw on a stand up comedy because like despite yourself, you'll be laughing by the end and it's such a a brilliant thing and so I like to try and bring that to my writing and sometimes it's hard like the the one that I'm writing at the moment um the other witch series the main character is one of these kind of brusque people with a heart of gold but her inner dialogue isn't funny like Jinx the PI who's like quite tongue-in-cheek and dry and it was really easy to find humor in that book but it's been a lot harder in the witchy book so I've um, put it in with a few um, cheeky things that my fans love. These um, Amber the Witch has got these mugs with really rude like comebacks and um, quips. So they kind of like put the humor in there and these little nuggets now and again. Um, but already my fans are saying that I've got to create a, a merchandise store just for Amber's mugs so that they can all have like a collection of her kind of witty rude mugs. Right. But um, 
Yeah, I, I just think humor has just always been so important to me and it's been a big part of my life. And it, it's just wired in me somewhere. I think it's quite dry British humor, you know. Um, but I really hate it when you read books where the humor is bitchy and it's putting people down. Yeah. Um, you know, when they call it snarky, but I think snarky is just mean and that's yeah. not my humor at all. I, I'm, I'm never mean with my humor. It's it's there to be funny and be uplifting. So there's never a mean edge to it. I worked I worked at Renaissance festivals as a performer for many years, and I, I learned later on that if you have to put someone else down to be funny, you're not really that fun. Yeah, you're taking an opportunity to take a shot at someone else, and people that feel bad for themselves, you know, they might find humor in that. Uh, but to me, I find the real skill is being funny without having to target anyone specifically. I always found that yeah. as a super high skill, and I and I love that about a lot a lot of humor and and comedy as well. So hats off to you in that because that's not it's not easy to do. It's not, but I think it's important, and I think with a lot of my writing, I try to represent myself and do things that I'm proud of. Um, so with my author platform every on my social medias on every Sunday we have good news Sunday and it's just tell me one thing that's made you smile this week share one thing that's made you happy and it makes people take stock of their week and no matter how bad the week has been pull out something that's been good and on Mondays we have meme Mondays and it's like start the week with a smile and everyone has to share something funny and like I love meme Mondays and good news Sundays because it's just that is that what what I'm using my platform to bring into the world is funny and what's made you smile and it's you know bringing positivity to people's lives and I think that's so important and when people message me and say like your books have brought me so much happiness and escapism and like there is just no higher praise than when you get a message from someone saying like you know I've been dealing with x y and z I've been dealing with depression or mental health or I'm bedridden or you know whatever it is and your books have given me something to hold on to and like honestly I cry every single time I get those emails I just fall but it's just like it's it's such a gift that as an author that you can bring someone some escapism when their life is really bad yeah like there's just nothing like that so I'm curious going back and and I don't mean to make it sound like that's any less by changing the subjects, but I want to go back <laughs> and talk because we, we briefly mentioned some of the other book series that you have. You yes. mentioned that they do crossover. They do all yeah. connect, which I love. I love books where it's like you pick up a somebody's series, you, you love it, and then you get pick up the next series and you're like, oh, it's set in the same world, but you don't see anybody that's the same. So other than the mechanics of magic or the mechanics of the world or the way the world works or you don't really get to see something touch the other locations, but having some of those NPCs and stuff cameo over uh, is always always fun to me. But let's talk about the main characters. What are kind of the differences in each of the main characters, and what separates them from each other? So you, you know, so we're not reading the same book with just a character with a different name. No, not at all. Um, the feedback that I've had so far from my readers is that all three kind of character voices that I've created in the other realm are all very different and distinct. And that's something that was really important to me because um, one of the reasons that I came to Urban Fantasy was reading an author called Helen Harper. And every single one of her 
characters are so different. And I thought that is the aim. That is what I want. I do not want to be um, a one trick pony where, okay, the story and the names might change, but it's basically the same thing. Right. You know, I, I want to have the same ingredients in my books, the things that you love, but I want each character to be really different. So um, my main character, which I started off with the Other Realm series is Jinx. And she's a really cool customer. She's a PI. Her parents died when she was 18. So she was bereft really young. And, um, she's really observant. And again, you know, none of that nasty humor. She's really, um, dry with her humor. And she uses her powers to kind of help clients, uh, get to the bottom of things. And when she's starting out, she's hired to find, um, a missing girl. And in that process, she then finds out that magic is real and kind of delves headfirst into this whole world. And she discovers she's an empath and a truth seeker. And she was always supposed to be in this realm and her parents kept it from her and all that sort of stuff. So that's kind of her um, backstory. And as I say, she's a real cool customer. Nothing much phases her. Um, she's really good under pressure. And that is where we differ because I am really bad under pressure. Um, Jinx also skydives which um I'm a qualified skydiver, so it's nice to put those little nuggets of me in there. And people always say, you know, that the action scenes where she's skydiving and stuff are really realistic, and it's because I've done it. Yeah. Um, Lucy is um my other main character, and she is Jinx's best friend, so she appears in the um first books, but she doesn't know about the mag- magical realm in the first books either. So she's not in the books that much, but enough that you love her, hopefully. Um, and I won't spoil it, but she becomes a werewolf. And that's where the kind of books, her books open out is her. Um, she's become a werewolf and accidentally an alpha werewolf. And she has to kind of find her feet. Um, and she's in charge of a pack that all hate her because she's had to mercy kill the alpha and then become um become the leader and there's another murder and everyone's thinking it's her and she needs to prove that it wasn't her to the pack and she needs to start persuading them that she can be an alpha because um it's a position for life so if they don't like her then there's only one way she gets uh gets gone so she's an accountant so she's really logical and she always has a spreadsheet for everything and um she was adopted um from a a young age so she's really got this thing where she needs people to like her she's really sociable and um yeah jinx is a real lone wolf whereas um lucy would be at the center of attention in the party all the time um so that's lucy and then my main character number three is amber de lee and she is a witch. She's in her 40s. She's 42. She's quite cynical. Um, her dad abandoned her and her mom when she was like seven in her real formative years. And that kind of abandonment has made her uh, really um, prickly and not friendly. She's really brusque and to the point. She's really um, ambitious and driven and she wants to succeed in life and she wants to be uh, remembered and put her mark on the world. And um, she's not interested in motherhood 
or um, anything. She just wants to have a really strong career and succeed. So they're all really quite different, um, which is which is fun. I'm writing Amber at the moment, so I'm I'm hip deep in her kind of consciousness. I was going to say, um, how hard is it to flip flop between the mindsets of the characters? Like, could you just like set that down and open up another thing? like jump right into the other one or do you have to have no. downtime between them and no. kind of settle your yeah. brain? I definitely need downtime between what I, what I tend to do is I just write one series at a time and I'm in that mindset of that character um, because they are also different and I, it isn't easy to find a new voice. Um, so generally when I was trying to write, for example, the, the next three set of the Jinx books, I had to go back and read books one to four to kind of, ground myself and her voice again to make sure that I wasn't writing in Lucy's voice because Lucy's is just more upbeat and enthusiastic and you know really wants to be liked whereas Jinx is just quite self-assured and cool and you know so it was it's definitely hard for me to swap between um the characters and I normally give myself at least kind of three four weeks off after a book is complete to kind of have a bit of downtime and during that time I focus more on um marketing and advertising and that sort of things and I do um I've got like a Patreon so um I've got a bunch of things that I can juggle at any one time if I want. Um, I like my website um I'm just in the process of creating my own direct store on there so that's hopefully going to be live in a couple of days. Um, but I've been working with my web designer to kind of get that up and running. And then he's like, I need a graphic for this. And I'm sitting there creating right. graphics and firing it up to him. And, and he's like, well, what about what, you know, what are we going to have here? And I'm like, oh, typing away. So at any one time, there's like a million jobs that I could be doing when I'm not <laughs> writing. <laughs> so I normally give myself a month off after a book just to kind of try and focus on those things um, before I get back to it. And, and, if I'm writing in the same character, then I need to reread the previous books to get to get there and make sure that I haven't forgotten anything that's really important too. Are there any plans to do like a, a, a I don't know how to say this, a super team up book where you have all three of them as the main characters? And they like they keep oh. asking for that, but I just don't I just don't think I could do it. Like, like but, an Avengers book of the yeah. of the group of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean my fans have been asking for like a just like a stupid scene where like the three of them hang out and get drunk together or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, whose perspective do I write it, guys? Like, just write the same scene three different ways and you can just pick your, your favorite POV or something. Um, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I think it would be fun. I think it would be fun to, you'd be like, every chapter is from a different perspective. And then sometimes you see it from both perspectives. You can see it from one perspective and then the chapter shifts and it goes to the other person. You pick up from them in the middle of the same scene <laughs> and they re-describe how they see their that world. That would just be such a cluster to write. Like, you I just think you have to take things. three weeks off between every chapter. That's all. Uh, yeah, it would be a work of love. That would take a real long time. <laughs> I can have it, but it's going to be in 2027. <laughs> What is your next book coming out? Do you have a have a date set for your next book? And which book is it? Oh, yeah. So um, my next book is Coven of the Witch. And that's um, book two in my witch series. And that comes out on the 27th of October. So just in a couple of days. Yeah, and 
Um, to coincide with that, I've got Hex of the Witch, which is book one of that series, free for five days. So people can grab that and see whether they like it before they decide to purchase a second book. Um, it's always nice to grab a freebie, but I'm hoping that will uh, do well. So far, it's been really well received. I think the only people that have had reservations beforehand have been the people that have read the Other Realm series where Amber has appeared as a side character. And as I said before, she's quite brusque. So like, I'm not sure that I'm going to love her as a main character, but then they read her and they're like, oh, she's actually really nice underneath it all. You know, you just got to get past this kind of prickly um, exterior. So people are falling in love with Amber, but um, yeah, that's book two is out on the 27th of October. And then book three is out the end of November. And then I've taken a slight break across December and then the last book is out on the 5th of January so it's like I said I do this rapid release I yeah. always because people want to they want to binge they want to binge through it they're like boom they wanna I'm, binge. I'm done where's the next one bring me the yeah. next one yeah and I think the thing is I I always end my books on a hook not a cliffhanger but a hook and people will shout at me and I get reviews being like what a cliffhanger and I'm like it's not a cliffhanger it's a hook um but the difference being, obviously, for those that don't know, cliffhanger is when your main character is in actual danger. You know, they are hanging off the proverbial cliff. Like, it's not a good place to end because who knows whether they're going to survive. What I do is the main character is fine. Everything's okay. They're chilling at home. And then the phone rings and it's a call from da-da-da. So that's what I have. You know, it's a hook. It's yeah. a little hook that makes you want to be like, well, who was calling? Who was calling? What's next? Person? What's going to happen? I yeah, need to find out. Another <laughs> cliffhanger, guys. No cliffhangers. no cliffhangers. No cliffhangers. No cliffhangers, just hooks. Tell me a little bit about your audiobook narration. Ah, oh, I love my audiobooks. Um, they're narrated by this very amazing woman called um, Elise Gibbs. And she is a Brit uh, living in the US. And she is a dialect and voice coach um, in the US. And she also um, acts and she directs. Like, she is a busy, clever woman. Um, but I love her because, well, A, I love her because she's lovely. But we worked together, obviously, from the very beginning. Um, and what happened was I uploaded my manuscript to ACX and I invited auditions. And then I was listening to a bunch of voices. And Elise just came through and her voice, it turns out she is from the exact same part of the country that my uh, main characters are all set in. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, hi. Um, because she, so she's got a very similar accent to me, if a little posher, because I've been living in Liverpool for 18 years. So my poshest um, edges have been knocked off. <laughs> my husband always says, you used to be posh, but you're not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, how now, brown cow? I can be very posh. One could be, you know, posh enough to speak to the queen. But I can't. Not anymore. <laughs> um, but Elise could. She's lovely. And she's so good at doing the different voices. And, you know, really, it's really immersive. Um, I wasn't an audiobook person, I must say, until about six months ago. And... Um, I listened to, um, Alice Worth series, which is by Lisa Edmonds. That's another urban fantasy, um, book series. And it was just on a long journey. And I had, um, a couple of hours in the car and I thought, well, I'll give an audiobook a go. 
And that was it. I was absolutely hooked. Nice. And from then, audiobooks have just been such a part of my life because it just changes things. Like you can just be doing your chores, folding your laundry, cooking, and you can have a book right. at the same time when you can't actually have it in your hands. Yeah. It's like life changing. So um, I'm all on board with audio and I, it, it's, it's something that's really expensive, especially for indie authors, and not everyone can afford to do it. Um, but I'm really passionate about it because I've had so many messages of people being like, I'm blind, I'm visually impaired. The only reason I can have your books is because you narrate them. Like, thank you. Please carry on. And I'm like, I will. I promise. Yeah. Because I just love that um, accessibility. Um, and my books are all in Kindle Unlimited with Amazon. So that means they are exclusive to Amazon. I can't, my ebooks can't be anywhere else um, because I'm indie. If I was traditionally published, I would be able to be elsewhere, but that's another, that's another discussion. Um, so because I'm indie, I'm tied in to Amazon and I can't be anywhere else. And I, I kind of hate that I can't be accessible, but um, so many people read with that subscription service that it would be kind of crazy for me to be anywhere else. But with my paperbacks and my hardbacks and my audio, those are all wide. So they're everywhere. And, you know, you can get them in libraries and um, especially the audio, you know, you can just request it at your library and they'll they'll get it in and sorted for you. So I kind of love that. You know, you don't actually need money to get into my fiction. I mean, you can just go to the library and get it for free and then you can still listen. Yeah. So um I, I'm really big on accessibility. So I'm hoping, well, I'm going to say next year that I'd like to, uh, launch a YouTube channel too with my audiobooks on there for free for people to listen to. Um, because it's just, I don't want to be gatekeeping with my fiction. Like I want everyone who needs some escapism to be able to access it. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's in my plans. It's just finding the time to do. <laughs> Right, get to edit it and figure out if you want to do it in like chapter by chapter, or try and fit the whole audio book into one video on YouTube. Yeah, yeah and YouTube hard. has a thing where they don't let you, or they don't like you having bad language. So um, Elise is currently kind of re-record. I've got some bad language, so Elise is currently recording some of them for me, and we she's doing we call it like a clean and dirty version. Um, so the dirty ones go everywhere, but the clean versions will go to YouTube eventually when I get around to it. So it's, she's just going back through my backlist and, you know, rather than there being a swear, she's putting in a, oh, darn. <laughs> then you have to put in the description. This is the clean version. If you want the yeah, one with the naughty words. Exactly. If you want the swears, come to Patreon where you get all my audiobooks for $3. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. You're going to be coming up uh, some some events. You're going to be doing the Fiction Fans and Ball Gowns event um, yes. March 16th. Where's that at? Remember? In Manchester. In Manchester. Um, it's in a cathedral too, so it'll be such a um, such a cool place to be. Um, yeah, so I'll be there and I'll be doing some signings and then um, dressing up in a ball gown for the evening. So that'll be nice. I'm looking forward to it. I've never been to this particular um, signing event, but it sounds fun. Just that it's an excuse to wear a ball gown, really. Even if no one shows up to sign my books, I'll be I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah, you just get to go to a big party and, and dress up. I just get to go hang out with a bunch of authors in ball gowns. I'm like, right, That's a total exactly. Way to do that. <laughs> exactly. I don't have a ball gown, so I can't go. So you can come in a tux. It'll be fine. 
<laughs> um, and then you're going to be at the Romance Author and Reader event. It's September 6th yes. and 7th in Edinburgh. Yeah. Edinburgh. Right. Edinburgh, yeah. Edinburgh is one of my favorite cities, like of all time. So my other witch series is is largely set there because I went for like a long weekend break and um I met up with Helen Harper and I was like, This city is so cool. And I just went around taking pictures and my my fan group just got spammed with all these pictures of Edinburgh because I was like, I love how cool this place is. Um and it's got like this underground city. Um, where it's like they used to, they used to have a city and then they've like obviously built over it over time. But now you can go down in the underground cities and have like little tours and stuff. It's so cool. Um, so I wrote loads of Edinburgh into my, um, into my latest series. So when I got, um, invited to Rare, I was like, yes, please. Any excuse to go back to Edinburgh is like the best city. It's, it's up there for me with Rome and Venice in Edinburgh. Like I just, I, I love it. Um, and that event's going to be huge because it's their 10th, um, anniversary. So there's going to be, um, I believe, um, you know, some really big names like, um, Faith Hunter and, uh, maybe Patricia Briggs and yeah, some Annabelle Chase. So there's going to be some really, um, cool people there. Nice. Are you yeah. planning on doing any uh, any more trips to the U.S., any conventions here? I know we have we have so many great conventions that authors like to go to. So many cons. I would love to come to some cons. Um, at the moment, my, um, my family is still quite young, so I don't want to do too many trips to America. I've got a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a kind of 20-month-old. Um, so leaving my son, the 20-month-old, is the kind of the, the bother at the moment. Yeah. The girls are kind of like, ah, oh, mum's on holiday. But he was like, mum, 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 like the whole time I was away. So I yeah. felt kind of bad. Um, but I'm planning to come back to the US um, next September. There's a big um, author um, convention that I like to go to. So that was in um, Tampa and Florida. So I'm going to hold another event when I go there, another signing. I had one this time and it was lovely. There was like, 20 fans that came and they, you know I signed all the books and we did a live Q&A in the bookshop and then we all went around the corner to um a restaurant and we all had um dinner together and just sat around like a big table had like a big chat and it was really wonderful it was like probably one of my favorite things I've done yet as an author was hanging out with my my fans for a couple hours it was really good so I'm definitely going to repeat that um and I, I I really would love to explore America more. Like, your guys, your country is so big. Right. Like, how how am I supposed to explore it? You need planes. We, we don't explore it. We don't even explore it. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, when, when my kids are older, I would definitely like to go for a big road trip and just, like, explore all the way through. Because, like, I... Don't judge me. I didn't realize how big your country was. Like, I knew it was big. Everyone knows America's big. It's big. Um, but then when I was at Florida, I was like, oh, I'm just here with this tiny little peninsula and Miami's just here. I'll just, I'll just get a taxi and go to Miami for like a couple of hours. And then I checked it out on Google Maps and it was like four hours. And I was like, huh. It's like this <laughs> tiny little peninsula. It's four hours to go from right. that side to that. Because a lot of the maps, they don't show it proportionately accurately. 
They don't show anything like all the things proportionally. It's like, wait a second, what? Like Alaska is really like like a third of the size of the US. Wait a second. <laughs> and then like the whole of England fits pretty much in Florida and I was like, right. Ah, wow. Your country's huge. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. People can get some free books by going to your website. You mentioned that earlier. Was that on your website oh, yeah. that they can go there? Yeah. So if you go to um, www.heathergharris.com forward slash subscribe, you can uh, join my VIP um, newsletter list. And as part of that join, you get um, Glimmer of Dragons and Defender of the Pack for free. And you can get it in either ebook or audiobook or both, if you like, whichever way um, you prefer to read your fiction. And then there's a few like bonus scenes and stuff that I give away there as well. But yeah, just to join my newsletter, you get um, two free books and you also get lots of pictures of my dog, which <laughs> obviously is what people sign up to newsletters for. Of course, of course. Why not? Uh, they can find you on Facebook backslash Heather G. Harris author on Facebook. Uh, yep. You're also on, on, on TikTok. You're going to be planning to do some more TikTok stuff at Heather G. Harris on tiktok i think i tagged you there in a video recently and oh, okay. uh and instagram at heather g harris author on instagram yeah. correct yep yep i'm in a few places you can uh hunt me down wherever you like but um i'm mostly on facebook i've got um a little fan group called heather g harris's other realm and there's like two thousand of us that kind of hang out there and obviously they can then post and um you know share stuff whereas obviously my page i just control and they just get to comment whereas the the, the group right. you know they can share stuff which is really yeah. nice so I'm, I'm there a lot i'm on instagram um three times a week maybe less regularly and tiktok it just depends on on how i'm feeling on that that particular day <laughs> i'm going to be heading to tiktok more recently um because i'm going to do some more of the witchy promotion over there on tiktok and mostly tiktok is me just like this yeah yeah <laughs> being an idiot That's and right. seeing if anyone likes it i'm here for that i'm here for that and people can find your patreon through your website it's uh it's a bunch of numbers and stuff so i'm not going to read it off but you oh yeah it. yeah no it is a bunch of numbers yeah. you can uh, <laughs> just go to the website right on our website heather g harris Dot com. You can just click on Patreon and follow there, and there's all kinds of good stuff on that Patreon. And you can sign up. You can go on the Patreon for free too. You have some some free stuff on there as well. So yeah, so there's there's this kind of new thing that patrons just recently rolled out, where there's like a join the community is what mm -hmm. they call it. Um, so you don't have to be one of the paid subscribers. I've got a bunch of tiers. Like some people just um give me a dollar a month just as like a kind of a goodwill gesture um i say it just means that you're thinking of me and then the three dollar tier is where you start to get access to audiobooks and advanced chapters of all the stuff the five dollar tier is when you get like the polished edited uh ebook before it it goes live um seven pounds fifty you get to have live q a zoom chats like this with me once a week all sorts of stuff as it creeps up, you get like, you know, signed paperbacks, hardbacks, all that sort of stuff. The highest level is um, having a character named after you, which one of my um, one of my biggest fans has. So in my um, other witch series, there's a character called Cassandra, which is based off one of my uh, patrons who, who paid that level. Um, but then there's a free level, 
which is more just another way for me to get a hold of you really easily to share news. Um, like I was saying, that Hex of the Witch is going to be free for the 27th. So like sometimes when you, when you post something like that on Facebook, it's up to Facebook's algorithm who it shows it to, you know, right. or they have to consciously make the effort to come to the page and then they right. might miss out on seeing about the deal. Right. Whereas obviously if you follow me on Patreon, I can just do a post on there. You'll get notified. Just, it's just simple and easy. And so it's a really easy right. way to definitely communicate, um, helpful things like bargains and new releases and stuff like that. Well, thanks for being here and joining me. I appreciate it. We're going to stick around here in a bit and we're going to get to the live audience Q&A. So anyone who's in the live audience, go ahead and throw your questions in the chat and we will get to them. Uh, but first, listeners, November is one of my major charity months. I'll be raising funds for Movember. It's prostate and testicular cancer charity throughout the month of November. So please, please, please look up a Movember and help however you can. If it's just spreading the word or donating or whatever you can do, go ahead and participate and, and share that information. And I'll have a little post on it on all of my uh, social medias as well as upcoming episodes throughout the month of November. So thank you so much for helping out with that and uh, participating in that. Coming up in November 6th, this year's Diana Jones Award winner for his Coyote and Crow tabletop RPG setting, Connor Alexander is going to be joining us. Again, that's going to be November 6th. The podcast will be available on the 7th. November 20th, New York Times bestselling author Michael Whitworth is going to be joining us. He did the D&D cookbook, Art and Arcana, and so many more. That's going to be really awesome, and I'm looking forward to that uh, and finding out exactly how uh, how that cookbook came together. So again, that's November 20th. The podcast will be available on the 21st. So also go back and listen to some of the past episodes. We've had episodes with Luke Daniels, Kevin Hearn, Delilah S. Dawson, so many more. So for Heather Harris, I am Nick, and I want to thank you all for listening to Epic Realms. Well, there you are. I hope you enjoyed yourselves, and I do hope that you come back. And join us again for Epic Realms. <laughs>